Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewCruise.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As the Bucks level it up, they're back. They have a playoff win under their belts for 2020. They beat the Magic 111 to 96. It's nice just to get a win on the board. They were really never challenged late in the fourth quarter. I guess there was a few hairy moments. It was a little bit sloppy down the stretch, but at the end of the day, a 15-point win is pretty good, Frank. But I, I think that you summed it up pretty well with a tweet. And I'm, I'm literally just going to read your tweet out and then you can take it from there. Any direction you want to go. You said, from a Bucks Twitter perspective, the game was pretty much perfect because the Bucks won, but also we have a million things to complain about for the next 48 hours. So I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> if you're going to start on a positive note, you can do that. If you want to start by complaining, I'm fine to go either way. <laughs> Well, let's start with a positive. Um, <laughs> it's it's been kind of surreal. Like there, there's definitely been a few moments where I've kind of like, you know, um, kind of looked at at sort of the the glass half empty, the mm-hmm. kind of darkest timeline version of of kind of where the Bucks are right now, and you know, to be playing in what you know almost felt like a must a must win game in game two of the first round of the playoffs is not a place that. Certainly, we expected the Bucks to be in sort of the way the season had been going up until you know a couple a couple weeks ago, uh, when obviously a lot of the the bobbles and uh, you know just general lack of consistency um, really became apparent as as the team kind of started getting ramped up in the bubble and just obviously it has not found a consistent flow. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I there were I mean it, it struck me a couple times that like I mean if the Bucks lose this game. I mean, would we have been shocked? I mean, kind of, but then also, like, they've been so, like, uninspiring of late that I don't know, right? And I think after that first game, you know, I mean, we were kind of talking about it. You, you do kind of wonder, I mean, where, where was this team's head at? And, you know, they've been such a steady group for two years now. Um, you know, the only time we've seen them really, the, the wheels come off was in that last four, four losses of the Raptor series. And then obviously um, of late here with just the inconsistency, uh, you kind of like worry, like what's kind of going on. So um, yeah, I mean, you kind of like, does, I don't think any of us really wanted to go there of like what happens if they go down 2-0. <laughs> I mean, again, you, you, I, I think you'd still be probably <laughs> favored at that point by a lot of people still to come back and win the series. But um, you know, then you start like, worrying about like how far can you slide down the slippery slope right and and just psychologically um where are you as a team and it and it's obviously a gut check time and so you know i think the response today uh was i think the response was encouraging obviously you know i think when we can dive into some of the numbers um orlando obviously did them some favors with 
just the cold shooting that we saw, especially in that first quarter. Uh, but, you know, the Bucks were not great in, in the first quarter, but uh, the defense was, I'd say, very good. Um, you know, you look at the points in the paint, 42 to 24. Um, the three-point shooting obviously was a big differentiator. Uh, Orlando just 7 out of 33. Felt like more of an Orlando Magic type of game from the three-point line this game than, than last game. Um, so, you know, some, some definite hallmarks of kind of what we're used to uh, driving Bucks wins um, with, you know, I would say typically, you know, generally the defense and the ability to force the team into shooting a lot of mid-range jump shots. I mean, Orlando, 24 mid-range points tonight, same as their number of paint points, which is kind of a crazy thing to say. Also, more than their three-point points, they had 21 points on seven threes. So that's not generally, a you know, a balance that uh, is going to lead to a lot of wins. So again, kind of playing that math game, that's sort of more Bucks basketball. But, um, and maybe I'll kick it over to you for the sort of de- depressing side, or you <laughs> run with that how you want it. Um, you know, I think the sloppiness, uh, the turnovers, you know, 21 turnovers. I mean, a couple of those turnovers, especially like, you know, down the stretch when, again, the Bucks were not, you know, it was not like a back and forth edge of your seat type game, but just like some, just passes that are just like not to anybody wearing a Bucks jersey and, you know, just going the other way. And um, yeah, it just felt like a lot of that sloppiness that, that has plagued them throughout the, uh, uh, throughout the, the bubble came back and the fouls, you know, 26 to 18 foul differential. Uh, I was looking at the season. I think that's the highest differential in terms of the opponent um, or sorry, the Bucks having the most, fouls uh, most more fouls that's not a good sentence construction but you get what i mean eight more fouls called against them i think the previous high was six uh and a 15 free throw differential um you know i think we can talk a little bit about what maybe goes into that um but yeah i mean we can be pissed off at the bucks i'm sure we're going to talk about chris middleton he was totally like lost offensively from a shot creation standpoint one out of eight he was terrible there did have six assists, so the playmaking was kind of helping a little bit, but he also had some bad turnovers. Um, he's obviously, you know, the obvious guy right now in the Bucks that you're looking at and saying, you know, what's going on with him? But, um, you know, even Giannis, not a, not a really great night offensively again tonight. 10 out of 23, missed a number of layups, had some calls that didn't go his way, um, and certainly I think the refs. So, so yeah, you can, we'll, we can still be mad at the Bucks. You know, we can still be mad at, at, at the coaching staff for things, and we can definitely be mad at the refs. Giannis, like, getting tripped. Uh, <laughs> that was so bizarre to me. I didn't see a replay of it, but it just seemed like he was clearly, like, tripped in the last minute, and someone gets a travel call on him, and it's just like, what the frick is going on? I don't know. So, yeah, uh, Kane, I don't know if you want to go down the darker timeline here and, and start complaining about stuff, but, um, you know, a win is a win. That's the most important thing right now, but certainly thinking about the broader goals and ambitions of this team. Um, you know, this is not a team that I would say is ready to go <laughs> to go play against the cream of the NBA crop right now and, and compete at the highest level. I think they're, uh, they're still a ways off. I think that's right. But I, I think what we saw tonight was basically a perfect illustration of why nobody believes that or no one believed that the Magic was even going to win a game in the series, right? Because yeah. with the Bucks. Uh, defense holding them to 24 points in the paint that's pretty much what you expect and then it's like okay well how else are you going to score and you touched on the free throws how many points did you say they had in the mid-range 26 24 
24. Oh, so, so it was the same as the paint. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that's such a yeah. strange uh, collection of numbers. 24 points in the paint, 24 in the mid-range, 21 from three, and then 27 from the free throw line. I, I don't know how yeah. often that happens. The, the, majority, yeah. the, the highest percentage of your points come from the free throw line. It's really, really strange. Uh, I, I did ask Pat about the free throws after the game because it was kind of a result of the Bucks actually showing up to play a little bit of defense, I thought. Um, clearly, the officials were paying the you know the, the touchy fouls that you know you basically can't have any contact or they're going to blow the whistle. It was a bit ridiculous, but I thought at halftime the Bucks had a twenty-one point lead, but the Magic had already had twenty-plus free throws, and that was really the only thing keeping them in the game. Like it, it legitimately thought, felt like the Bucks, even though their offense was kind of still sputtering, that they would have been up by thirty-five points at halftime if it wasn't for all those fouls. So Pat sort of said, you know. For this game, we just needed to get our aggressiveness back, which was the word that Bud used the whole time. And he said, we would rather fail more in this game and play the defense that we played and stop them in the paint than be cautious and passive like we were in game one and give up all those free layups. So, you know, I guess from that point, they're going to have some time to adjust a little bit here and figure it out. They've got three more games that they need to win. We hope that they only have three more games left in the series. But I still think defensively, it felt much better. Brooke Lopez looked like he was in control a little bit, even though they were calling a couple of fouls on some of those blocks that I think they normally wouldn't. The biggest concern probably for mine, and it's just something to watch going forward, although I, I don't know if there's really another player like Vucevic that the Bucks are going to have to face, but Robert Lopez was taken to the woodshed by Vucevic. He, every time Robin Lopez was on the floor, it just felt that Vooch was just going to get whatever the hell he wanted, whether it was in the mid-range or he was going to go to uh, the post and get a score. Vucevic was two for eight from three, which again, those three-point attempt numbers are well up on his season average. So you're kind of fine with him shooting eight, especially a couple of them were very late in the shot clock. But from two-point range, uh, he was 11 for 15. And he was just really tough to stop. I mean, he's, he's shooting the mid-range jumper so well right now. And uh, as I sort of said, he was giving Robin Lopez all he could handle. Frank, once again, let me remind you about Axios. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios today hosts Nyla Boodoo. And a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. And I mentioned this last time, but I was just thinking about this. We're going to get to game four, uh, sorry, game three in a little bit here. It's another noon game, which means I'm up at three o'clock in the damn morning, which by the time the game is finished and we podcast, I'm going to be starving, but I'm also going to be tired and I'm not going to want to cook. So I might have to call upon our friends over at DoorDash. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order. Use the code LOCKEDONNBA and you'll get $5 off your first order with DoorDash. But Chris Milton, let's talk about this for a little bit. Now, (laughs) one for eight, uh, 0 for 4 from 3. You did touch on the assists. 
uh, he, he had some nice passes. There's no doubt about that. I, I thought early in the game he found Brook Lopez on, on a lob. And, and those are the types of plays they, that sort of got Brook going. Brook ended up four for four from two-point range, which was nice to see. But Chris just was kind of just not in the game at all. It just felt like he wasn't getting to spots where he could get a shot, even when he had a chance to dribble into some of these post uh, shots that we know he loves and, and is so efficient in. He was fumbling. He was misdribbling. Then he was turning the ball over with some just flat-out weird and, and lazy passes. He was really, really sloppy. We've seen the sloppiness come in over the last three or four games in the seeding round. James Ennis guarded him for a significant part of the night. He is super, super physical. That's the way he plays. He is a tough defender. If you're going to give him credit for anything that he does, it would be the defensive side of the ball. But they just seem to have Middleton completely out of his comfort zone. But I'll say this. Chris, if you've got Miami coming up and then potentially Boston, you better get used to it. Yeah, I, I made the comment that, um, you know, we always talk about teams trying to build the wall and, and keep Giannis from getting to, to the pain. And, you know, we saw that a fair bit again tonight where, you know, there would be times where Giannis had the ball, uh, you know, kind of at the top of the key or, or he'd be sort of driving from a wing. And, you know, there'd be like three magic bodies, you know, kind of within a few feet of each other practically. And, and so just making it very hard to, to kind of cut between that. But, um, I, I feel like that also, it's almost like at times it almost just, they, they were cluttering the elbow kind of area um, of the, of the court so much. Not that they were just like in an outright zone all the time, but you know, at times it was sort of almost at a fact that it was almost like they were zoning up that sort of part of the court. And of course, you know, the, the goal is that they're trying to keep Giannis from being able to attack uh, from the elbows and, you know, from, from the top of the key. But I think, it also has had a little bit of effect of, of Chris not being able to get to his spots either, right? Because that's where he mm-hmm. likes to get, especially if he can get smaller guys on him, um, you know, be able to operate from, from that part of the court. And um, obviously he's just really not finding any comfort zone. And, uh, you know, he had some good looks at threes that he missed tonight. Um, really didn't get any type of rhythm, had a mid ranger blocked, I think at one point. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, I guess he's, he, like you said, uh, you know, it, it's weird because, I mean, he was playing really well, especially in the kind of early mid part of the bubble games, had some huge games. Um, so the fact that, you know, now these past couple of games in particular, um, he's really kind of looked like he's lost his mojo is, uh, you know, not comforting to see, obviously. Uh, obviously, you like coming away with a win when, you know, your, your other all-star is, is pretty much a non-factor offensively, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. uh, clearly this team has more offensive upside than what we've seen from them in these two games. But I think, you know, again, kind of the, the silver lining here is, um, you know, if the Magic and, and, you know, the Magic have a great, you know, very good defensive coach. Um, they have some bodies, you know, even without kind of Gordon and Isaac, who you think of as like, oh, those are like the, you know, the Giannis stopper type guys. Um you know, even without those guys, I mean, they put some guys with, with size and play physically, you know, pretty physically um, on the court. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, again, it forced Bud and, and the Bucks to kind of have to think through how they're going to break that down. And not just for Chris, but also for Giannis, who, you know, second straight game that he shoots under 50% from the field, uh, 10 out of 23, 9 of 18 from, uh, from two-point range. Um, which, you know, is a far cry from when he, what, he was at 39 out of 43 at one point 
in terms of two point mm-hmm. shots in that one stretch and he got offensive rebounds on three of the other ones. So, um, you know, he was, uh, I think nine out of 18 in game one as well. And tonight I felt like, I mean, yeah, like Orlando's had some, you know, done a nice job at times, certainly, um, in terms of walling him off and you know, not giving him good, good looks, especially in transition. But I mean, he missed some bunnies tonight as well. And then I think he also should have gotten some calls that he didn't get. So, mm-hmm. Um, he definitely left some, left some points on the, on the court tonight, uh, with some, some bunnies that he missed that he normally doesn't. And, uh, you know, again, hopefully he, he makes up for that hitting seven out of eight free throws. Good for my mental health. Also helped to kind of balance <laughs> out some of those missed free throws, thankfully. So, you know, hopefully that's at least some, some silver lining, but I mean, you know, seven turnovers, I don't know if what do you have two or three offensive fouls, um, just some kind of questionable decision-making at times, some passes, uh, but 20 rebounds, five assists. I, I could have sworn he had two blocks, including that one where it looked almost like a goaltend. He went way off the, the backboard. How, I, how I don't high know. was he on that play, by the way? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I, I, I think they had a replay at one point, but I didn't, they didn't really dwell on it. Um, and I feel like that's been, I, I feel like a lot of plays have happened where I haven't seen a replay in the bubble. I don't know what, mm-hmm. if, if, I don't know why that would be because there's not really much else going. On. <laughs> it's not like it's not like you're roaming the stands or anything like that, or cutting cutting in for updates from a, all these other games because it's pretty much only one game going at a time. So, um, so I don't know. It feels like we haven't been seeing a lot of replays, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know how he didn't have any blocks credit with any blocks today. But um, but you know, again, I mean, the other thing that we should talk about at some point. I don't know if you're going to talk about it now, but um, you know, again, Bud managing the minutes, 32 minutes for Giannis in this game. Again, um, and, and, you know, again, the Bucks obviously had a big lead pretty early on. So you could say, well, you know, why ride him too hard, especially when they weren't getting threatened. But um, part of me is just sort of thinking, like, again, uh, is he going to be winded the first time he has to play, you know, 39 minutes when you actually are in the second or third round of, of the playoffs? Yeah, I definitely thought halfway through the third quarter when Orlando, and again, you know, late in the fourth quarter, yes, there, there was certainly a moment where I was like, well, shit, I mean, it's back to nine points. Uh, we might want to get a bucket here. But there was a stretch in the third quarter in particular. So Giannis went to the bench, and basically all the starters went to the bench with five minutes to go in the third quarter. And the Bucks held a 15-point lead, and the Magic closed to within 12. And I thought, this is kind of an interesting stretch here because Bud's taken them out. They haven't played huge minutes. If this gets into single digits, then you've got to really question why you took them out at that stage when, and, you, and you give the Magic a chance heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, if you remember this stretch of the game, this was the period where Marvin Williams uh, made a floater to beat the shot clock. It was kind of a, yeah. a, a beautiful play given the circumstances. To actually he got fouled too. <laughs> to, to, you're right, exactly. To, but to manufacture that shot even uh, in, that, in that time frame was impressive. And then after that, Dante DiVincenzo was kind of wild with the ball again, trying to create offense, but he was the only guy out there and he bailed them out with that, that three after Pat Connaughton picked up the, the ball that was just sort of bouncing around on the floor between players. And all of a sudden it was back out to 17, but it was kind of a shaky stretch. And again, if you've got Chris Middleton, and this, this is why he has to be better because we always talk about the fact that you want to uh, split those Giannis and Chris minutes. You want to ha- at least have one of those guys on the floor. And we've said that all season long because Chris Middleton is, has Chris Middleton has played at an all NBA level. Well, when he's having one of these nights where he only takes eight shots, makes one of them, even if you have Chris out there with the bench players, it's not a good lineup. 
And so I, I thought heading into the fourth quarter, Giannis shouldn't be in a position where if he, if he plays all 12 minutes, he's still not even going to top 35. You know, it, it just feels like in the first three quarters, you're really shortchanging what you're getting out of him. And I, I thought in the first half tonight, potentially there was some concern about fouls. He picked up his second foul relatively early because he had that weird sort of tripped over his own feet and, and yeah. fell into DJ Augustine. And uh, I think it was DJ Augustine. And so they called the foul. Um, so I think with 10 minutes to go in the second quarter, the concern was probably not letting him pick up that third. But, and again, this is why foul trouble with Giannis is, is going to be concerning. And then throughout the, by, uh, by, by the end of the first half, Chris had three, Bledsoe had three, uh, Brooke had two, and then Giannis still had those two as well. So I think tonight, particularly in the first half, there were some issues with foul trouble. But no doubt, as this series goes on, get them up above 30. Get them up to 35. We've played enough games here now in the bubble that they can handle that. I don't think there's any question. So I, I, I was tweeting about this, but, you know, he comes out, I think he came out around like a little under six minutes in the first quarter. Uh, and then he came back to the scorer's table with a little under three minutes left. And there wasn't another whistle the rest of the quarter. And so he ends up not coming back at all in the first quarter comes back to start the second quarter and then he's out by before the eight minute mark of the second quarter. And so I think, I mean, what Bud's trying to do is stick to regular kind of like rotations and groupings by what's time is on the clock. But the thing is, cause you didn't get a damn, you know, stoppage of play in the last three minutes of the first quarter. That means you just missed, you know, two and a half minutes, or whatever of getting, you know, the MVP of, of your sport into, into the game. And so I, I don't know. That's just, kind of strikes me as like some t-ball shit you know like you gotta let everybody play the usual amount of time i don't know it's just like just let the dude play longer you know if you didn't get in earlier like it's fine you know like he's your best player he's the best player in the league get him out there you know everybody's still trying to get wind um and and like you said i mean at some point they're gonna play in a series knock on wood that is going to require him to play major minutes and you know, look, Hey, I like Marvin Williams, you know, got no problem with Marvin Williams, but you know, do I want Marvin Williams paying 17 minutes? No, I'd rather have Giannis play, you know, 36, 37 uh, in a, in a difficult game and have Marvin play 10 or whatever. Right. Um, So yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. I mean, again, this is, you know, a night like tonight is not necessarily where you like, you know, cry bloody murder over it. I think game one was a more obvious example where obviously, um, you know, you come out losing badly and you didn't even get real minutes, you know, major minutes for uh, the MVP of the league. So I don't know. I mean, it's just like, you know, um, you know, if, if Bud, I don't know what, what kind of car Bud drives, but it's like, if you had a Ferrari, would you, you know, <laughs> drive it around really being easy on the gas so he could brag to his friends about, you know, how, how good his gas gas mileage was or something like that. I mean, you know, at some point, like the reason you have this guy is because you cut him loose in the playoffs and you lean on him. Right. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I mean, so far we haven't seen that. And um, I think, you know, again, you just worry that at some point, well, shit, the guy may have to play an entire fourth quarter and he's probably not going to, cause he's not used to doing it. And he gets winded when he plays more than seven or eight minutes, it seems like, you know. Um, and I don't know what you do about that other than just 
try to let the guy play longer stints. And, you know, again, I mean, you want to be careful. You don't want him to get hurt, you know, at the end of a a game when you're up by a ton of points. But um, I don't know. I mean, I felt throughout this game, I, I always was kind of uneasy about it because kind of as you were alluding to with how poorly the magic shot in the first quarter in particular, I mean, you felt like you should have been up 30 points at some point in the first half and, you know, make this a game that was never within touching distance. But it just seemed, you know, you kind of, I just kept waiting for the Magic to hit some shots. And I was just sort of hoping the Bucks never got into a deeper funk. And, you know, fortunately, the, you know, the Magic did eventually hit some shots. And in particular, they, I felt like, especially in the second, third quarters, like they almost kind of like, and, and I give them some credit. I mean, I think they just sort of said like, look, we're, we're not making shots. Like we need to just try to, you know, like con some fouls out of, out of these dudes and just, you know, create some contact and just try to get some freebies. And, and that obviously worked very well with all the, the foul shots they got. But um, yeah, I mean, this was, uh, this was, uh, I guess one of those games that, you know, you win, which was absolutely, you know, jobs one, two, and three, but uh, you definitely had some film that, you know, the coaching staff is going to be able to take back to the guys and, you know, whether it's sloppy turnovers or whatever, it's uh, there's definitely some, something to be said there. Um, let me, let me ask you this. I don't know if we've talked a lot about sort of like the details of what we saw defensively, was there were there kind of specific things that really jumped out at you as far as you know whether it's differences from game one to game two or just things you noticed tonight that you thought were contributing to obviously the, a very good defensive effort you know the magic finish at a ninety three offensive rating bucks at one hundred eight uh, obviously this is the kind of bucks defensive performance that we kind of have been expecting to see more of um, what what was your kind of takeaway what did you see out there that you thought made the big difference well I thought. Bledsoe in particular, I, I thought defensively in the first quarter, and, and it stood out to me because I, I sort of sat back and said, what the, what, what the hell is going? Eric Bledsoe is fighting over every single screen to chase Markel Fultz around the perimeter. I said, this is kind of strange. I don't know how many teams in the NBA are doing this to Markel Fultz, but I, I thought the energy that Bledsoe brought, and we saw early in the game that I think even just that extra bit of pressure on Fultz created some some turnovers, whether it was lost handles, whether it was the ball poked away, whether it was bad passes. So again, I, I thought overall the Bucks in general, their energy was a lot better defensively. They were really scrambling and ensuring that they were going to protect the pain at all costs. But I thought Eric Bledsoe stood out to me. Uh, and we're, we've, we've always spoke about this guy and what he brings to the team. And he probably... He might be the best in the, in the NBA at doing that, at harassing the point guard off the perimeter. And I, I think that that kind of sets a tone. We always talk about Bledsoe. And it was funny, I tweeted this and a lot of Bucks fans were like, well, shit, that's not good because I said Eric Bledsoe is the barometer. But I still think he is. And I know that that's a scary thing to carry through a, a postseason because of what's happened in the past. But when he brings the intensity defensively, then he seems to lock in offensively and be aggressive. We saw him go on an 8-0 run in the second quarter there himself scoring the ball. So I thought the way that they covered faults really stood out to me because at the end of the day, if you're protecting the pain against this team, I mean, you, you spoke about the fact that the shots didn't fall. They're probably not going to. I mean, they're bad shooters. You know, James Ennis is, was 0 for 3 tonight. He hit a bunch of threes in game one, but he's a 26% three-point shooter. Like he's, If he's going to shoot threes, like semi-contested, then you're going to take that all day long. So I, to, Bledsoe, for me, was, was the big thing that stood out defensively. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about that a fair bit, right, that it's really the combination of the pressure at the point of attack, the rear contests, the getting over screens, staying connected, like that work from the guards and, and also the wings to a large extent 
is sort of that yin to the yang of, you know, mm-hmm. Brooke and Giannis doing their work uh, closer to the basket. And, you know, this, it didn't feel like this was a game that like Brooke was like particularly dominant around the paint. You know, he had one block, um, probably was unlucky to get called for a couple of their fouls that probably were not fouls. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought Bledsoe was noticeable. Um, I thought it was noticeable, uh, notable and noticeable. Uh, might've been the first or second possession that Fultz went over a screen. Bledsoe fought really hard to get over it. And then Fultz was basically playing for that pick and pop with Vucevic and Bledsoe ended up then hanging back mm-hmm. with Vucevic to prevent the easy, you know, open kind of top, uh, you know, top of the key three from Vucevic. Now he still ends up putting up eight, up eight, three pointers. He's a 34% three point shooter. So, I mean, hitting two or three is much more of what you'd expect than hitting five as he did in game one. Um, but I thought that was interesting. I was, I mean, I'm just encouraged when the Bucks sort of give different looks because again, I think that's an important thing to do to kind of at least make, you know, the other team play a little bit of chess with you and not just be able to rinse and repeat the same actions over and over again and just be like, well, we know that they always do this. So, you know, we'll just, you know, do X, Y, and Z, and then the Bucks will, you know, give us a shot that we can make. Um, so I thought doing that, you know, even if it wasn't something that happened all game long, uh, I think was, in, you know, a good thing to see them try some, some different stuff. Um, and it did take actually Vucevic a little while to get into this game. I forget how many he had in the third quarter, but at one point he had, it was like 14 points for Vooch and 14 for the Bucks in the fourth, in the third quarter at some point. Yeah. And I think he kept going after, I think they actually, they actually half took Robin Lopez the third off him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, was, that was when they had Marvin and Robin on the court at the same time. And Bud actually made the call to say, listen, Rowan, we, you're not guarding him anymore. We're going with Marvin Williams, which yeah. sort of shows how, how that matchup was going. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I thought that was, uh, you know, I think, again, I think certainly some encouraging things from, from the defense there. Um, you know, Connaughton's block. I mean, to me, that was maybe yeah, yeah. defensively. I think probably the highlight of the game that that block that he had on whatever that was a two on one. Uh, was it a Iwundu who he blocked? I think um, going up uh, at the apex. Um, you know, that's a play you don't expect a six four guard to make, but obviously we know Pat and what he can do. Um, he's he's he certainly <laughs> has the physical tools to do that. I thought that was a big thing, and that was you know during that phase where the Bucks were really kind of turning the screws. And, you know, I thought he hit two threes off of Giannis kickouts that I thought were really important because um, obviously it's important that the Bucks hit threes, but in particular when teams are essentially zoning up basically and just building that wall against Giannis for Giannis to be able to just basically like take one dribble towards the paint and then just kick it out and get, you know, shooters to, to hit threes. Um, I think just, you know, again, you, you want you want guys to make every three, but especially when it's off of you know teams collapsing on Giannis, I think that's important just to try to make them feel like they're getting punished for not you know for not playing kind of more straight up and and not paying attention to other guys. Um, you know, I think again there were still a lot of moments that offensively it felt like um, you know the Bucks sort of settle for for tougher shots early in the clock than you would like them to, you know, especially compared to some of the games we saw where, you know, they were giving up wide open threes. I don't think today was as egregious in that department. I'll be curious to see what the numbers are on it as far as open shots go. But, um, you know, it felt like 
I mean, even those, those, those threes that, that Pat was hitting, I mean, he hit one that was a crazy shot clock beater, <laughs> I think in the third quarter or whatever it was, but, um, but, uh, you know, they, they were hitting some, some tough threes. These were not all like wide open threes. Um, Brooke, I think had some, certainly some more wide open threes. Um, but, uh, you know, it was nice to see Pat just getting into a rhythm and, uh, he's had some really good outings, you know, in the bubble, which is encouraging given that, you know, he's coming off, um, you know, COVID-19 himself. So seeing him kind of do well. And then, um, I think Bledsoe, you know, it's funny, Bledsoe 13 points on 12 shots are really not very efficient, but I felt like some of the scoring he did was, it was, it was very much like him creating for himself, creating out of nothing. And so again, you'd like that efficiency to be higher. You'd like some of those like early clock, no pass, you know, 19 on the shot clock type jumpers like those still make you cringe, you know, going back to our conversation about valuing possessions, but um, you know, him just being able to like, just decide he's going to blow by his man and get to the rim for a layup. Um, that's just something obviously that's really important for this team because um, you know, again, just having somebody who can create off the dribble, you know, there just aren't many guys who do that on this team. And um, you know, his combination of, ability to get to the rim um, and then also uh, create, you know, and pick and roll. I thought we saw Giannis get a lot of opportunities kind of rolling to the rim, whether it was Bledsoe or, or Chris typically. Um, that's obviously a really important thing to kind of keep teams honest and, and give Giannis ways to get involved beyond just having to stand there at the top of the key and try to create something out of nothing, which obviously I think is probably going to be pretty difficult um, against uh, the magic, the way that they're uh, building that wall around things. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, it was a game that was, uh, in, let's just say not one we will look back on fondly, uh, in, you know, the years to come. Um, but hopefully it's, hopefully obviously it's a win, so that's critical, but hopefully it's kind of one of those that, um, you know, at least gets the bucks maybe a little bit more on track and especially defensively, you know, I think again, uh, that's obviously the area that, that everything kind of starts with for this team. So hopefully um, a little bit of encouragement to, you know, get back to who they are defensively is, is a starting point for getting back to who they are overall as a team. So let me just bring this up before we wrap it up. I think it's another interesting kind of wrinkle that we've seen basically right throughout the seeding games in the bubble, but also over the first two games in this series, Brooke Lopez shooting threes from the corner is really interesting. If you look at his numbers in totality through the regular season, he only took 72 corner threes and took 252 above the break threes. Now, when we think about Brooke Lopez shooting threes, a lot of the times it's those trailers where he sort of ambles down the, down the floor and then just walks into a deep ass three. We've seen him do that for the last two years. So far, in the playoffs, in two games, he's taken eight corner threes. He's 50% on those and, and taken four uh, threes from above the break. So he does seem to be positioning himself in the corner a lot more than above the break. And I, I'm just curious that this has been something that's come into the Bucks offense since the return of play because he was shooting 31%. I mean, he was 78 for 252 from uh, above the break in the regular season. And that's actually including the final eight bubble games as well, which really bumped up his, his numbers because we know he shot really, really well. So he was below 30% before Disney. It is interesting just to see where he's positioning himself on the floor. We've spoke about him posting up a lot, but there's no doubt if you wanted to see something different from the Bucks offense, Brooke Lopez's role has you know, kind of quietly changed, it feels like, significantly uh, since the return of play. 
Yeah, I mean, it was encouraging the, you know, we, we talked about Giannis, Chris, and, and Lopez being kind of the stars of the bubble, uh, at least the seeding games. Mm-hmm. And obviously game one, Chris and, and Brooke both being very subdued were, I think, big parts of the storyline of, of why the Bucks lost that game. So, yeah, encouraging, obviously, to see uh, Brooke kind of bounce back in, in a kind of very obvious way tonight in that combination of, you know, not just being a bad outside threat, but, you know, hitting threes, uh, and then also being able to do damage down low. I mean, four out of four on two pointers tonight. So that was really encouraging. So again, unfortunately, I mean, Vucevic, arguably the player of the game for the second straight game, you know, I mean, you can argue maybe Giannis was the, the, the other best player, but, you know, just given some of the misses from Giannis and the turnovers, um, I think, you know, probably the metrics would say uh, Vuce was, was probably the, the, you know, the most dominant player of this game for the second straight game. So um I don't think we thought that would be the case, that Vooch would be the best player in each of the first two games. Um, but, you know, Brooke doing what he does and I think defensively being that anchor obviously is, uh, is really important. And, you know, you look just, obviously the individual plus minus number is much more favorable. In this game, Brooke plus 12, uh, Vooch minus eight. Um, and overall, uh, you know, you look at the Magic. I think everybody on the Magic had a negative rating today. So kind of like uh, game one for the Bucks, where Frank Mason was the only positive tonight, the Magic. Uh, there weren't any guys who, you know, spearheaded any big runs or, you know, there wasn't anybody that uh, that was, you know, there were no combinations that really gave the Bucks fits. Uh, pretty much whoever whoever they had out there, you know, wasn't really, wasn't really working that well. And Again, when you shoot as poorly as uh, as the Magic do, you know, thirty five percent overall, forty three percent on twos. Um, that's that's Bucks basketball right there for you. The only other number that's really interesting is fast break points. Only six for the Bucks. It's kind of interesting they haven't been able to get that transition game going, but uh, nonetheless, they did pick up a win. And I, I will say this: if you want to go glass half full, which I think we should all do, it's the weekend. Let's go glass half full for a couple of days. It's your birthday. That's uh, yeah, glass yeah. half full. It's true. It's actually uh, still technically my US birthday as well. I, I claim forty eight oh. hours now. I, I claim H- happy. How was your? How was? How was the big three <laughs> Uh Well, we're still on lockdown. We're not allowed to have visitors. We're not allowed to go see yeah. anyone. We're not allowed to do anything. So I spent it on the couch. But it was another relatively early start. So it was fun. It was. I mean, I mean, I don't know if people who aren't on Twitter who haven't seen this. Uh, you know, there there was some behind the scenes uh, shenanigans, some work done, and you were you were you were delivered a birthday, a happy birthday greeting from uh, Chris Middleton, Pat Connaughton, and Giannis Dedekumbo today that made its way onto the internet. So um, I don't know, maybe that maybe if that's the if that's the reason Chris was bad tonight that he was you know, <laughs> thinking too much about your birthday, then then obviously we we gotta hopefully I'm glad tomorrow's not your birthday, but. Um, that's a pretty damn cool thing for somebody who, you know, has followed the bucks and now has reported on them for the last couple of years, uh, to, to wake up and, uh, see, you know, the MVP, the on all NBA wing and, and, uh, you know, planet Pat, uh, be, be wishing you happy birthday. That's pretty cool. And I saw Connaughton when you asked the question in the uh, post game, he also wished you happy birthday. So yeah, you're, you're big time bucks, you know, bucks, little, our little bucks media universe can you're. You're, you're big time. Hopefully uh, you had a good day, even aside from a Bucks win, which is probably a nice way to cap it. Yeah, I think I will say that it says a lot about them, honestly, because 
you know, to even bother taking the time to do it is uh is pretty nice. And yeah, Pat said happy birthday, and so did Giannis again. So it's it's kind of actually even more ridiculous that not only did they take that video, but they actually still remembered after they just played a playoff game as well. So it's it is kind of funny, and it is kind of ridiculous. I, I know I had a few people message me and say that is just like absolutely insane. They're like, you're talking about a two time MVP said happy birthday to you twice in a 24 hour period. And I said, yeah. So I guess when you put it that way, it is kind of ridiculous. But again, I think it says a lot about them. And I, I mean, my, my, I, I'm, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm lucky if my wife wishes me happy birthday once, uh, you know. So you get two from Giannis. That's that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Well, my my sister, well, soon to be sister-in-law, texted me yesterday morning, and for some reason, I didn't have a number in my phone. And so she said, happy birthday. And I, I didn't know who the number was. So I was going to just say thanks back. But then I thought if I know this person well, it's going to be awkward. So I kind of just like left it. And then uh, my brother texted me a little later on. And he actually texted me and said, oh, well, you just uh, you get a happy birthday from Giannis. And now you're too good to respond to uh, your, your future sister-in-law. And I said, well, actually, I didn't know that it was her. But I'll get back to her right now. So uh, yes, uh, my brother was giving me a bit of shit about that. But most importantly... The Bucks have tied it up. I will say, Frank, when you were you were talking about the game late, and it, you were feeling a little bit, I don't know, if anxious is the right word, but uneasy throughout the entire game. I've thought about that, and the only reason that was the case was because the Bucks were down one zero. I reckon if they were winning by double digits for most of the game, and they had a one game one, we wouldn't have had any concern at all. But the thought of going down two uh, zero was pretty scary. But they're back at it, another day game. Noon on Saturday. Ah, the old day games. NBA TV. The NBA TV special on Saturday at noon. I guess we're going to watch some more early basketball, and I'm sure we'll be talking about this one after it's done, Frank. Yeah. Uh, well, the Bucks had to win this game because it's the only, uh, you know, out of the first four, it's mm-hmm. the only game <laughs> that's not like a freaking like noon 30 game. Um, so, uh, yeah, hopefully in the noon jinx does not... Uh, to follow the Bucks again. They mentioned on the broadcast tonight that Giannis is a man of of habit. So um, I guess we'll see. But hopefully, um, you know, again, hopefully this was a little. Oh, I won't go there. But well, hopefully it's a little bit of a corner turning, right? Um, but we'll we'll have to see. I mean, I think obviously um, the the upside of these uh, <laughs> the upside of these first round series still being seven games is a the bucks uh, have more margin of error which they clearly need and b um, you know they need the practice let's be honest mm-hmm. after watching you know these first couple of games they they need some reps and um, you know as much as I think the magic are uh, they're probably not going to test them I would say offensively you know or sorry defensively the way that some of the other teams that they would have to go through to get to the finals are going to, um, at a minimum, you know, Steve Clifford is a smart defensive coach and, um, he's going to make the bucks, I think, earn it a bit, you know, with Giannis and obviously Chris for better or worse. Um, they're going to come up with some game plans that, that force the bucks to, to maybe make some adjustments, which let's be honest, that's probably what, what Buck and Bud and the bucks coaching staff need to kind of figure out how to handle that sooner rather than later. So I literally just got a text come through from Bucks uh, PR. No practice tomorrow. So they're rolling straight through into game three. They must be pretty happy with their work from game two. Bucks win 111.96. Enjoy the win. Bucks fans are on the board in the 2020 playoffs. And we'll be back after game three.